This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. These two guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. My bad. <laughs> I've produced I've produced podcasts before, I swear to God. <laughs> there, there it is. What's up, man? How's it going? All right, here we are. Hi, it's Phil. It's Kyle. Uh, <laughs> what I was saying before I forgot to actually like bring us up into this podcast and turn our mics on was, so we were going to record this yesterday and ha- had a million things to talk about yesterday. Uh, but then uh, I'll just say it. You know, you got a, You got a new job. You don't really know anyone in your job. And you're like, oh, man, like I got invited to lunch and... <laughs> I need to make some more work friends at my new job. I was like, yes, Kyle, go make some new work friends, and we'll just record tomorrow. And then little did we know that in those 24 hours, Carl Anthony Towns would just go off on a Pat Bev podcast about how great and game-changing he is and how the Nuggets, the Nuggets winning a championship was one thing, but look at what we did making the playoffs, so we'll get to all that. Or we could dive into I am 55 players into my top 100 Timberwolves <laughs> list. When you texted me that the other night, I laughed so hard. Uh, I did. We did do that podcast on uh, from the reader or from the listener uh, where we kind of did the hundred list. I noticed uh, the best thing that came from that for me was finding out the mute this conversation button on Twitter because uh, I posted the top 100 and I think it had 192 comments. And that was just a little too much uh, for my old cell phone to handle. So wow, you muted it. You just I had to mute it. Just there were there are so many people that were like, "Oh my god, I forgot about this guy. Or this guy should be higher." So it was a great conversation starter. But before next season tips off, I do need to spin and pivot back to you and say, "Okay, what are Phil's top 100?" Because I know yours are going to be vastly different. And you know, you as a podcaster, just in general, are, when it's all said and done, I think people will refer to you as changing the game. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm hoping people say when uh, when I finally hang it up and, you know, take the family out and enjoy life for a little while. <laughs> you know what? I, I was saying this on on the show with Judd. Yep. And for Pete, maybe and there might be people that just listen to flagrant howls. And so if you if you haven't heard some of the clips, they're all over the Internet right now. But Carl uh, Anthony Towns, one of the many things he said in this Pat Bev sit down was that and I want to get the right quote here so I'm not misquoting him quote when my time is up and I retire and I go off into the sunset etc there will be people that say I changed the game and he's referring to being a seven foot unicorn who can dribble drive and shoot threes he is maybe the greatest shooting seven footer in the history of basketball so those things are true and we can sit here and debate, all right, guy, like, can you really change the game if you're not playing in May and June? The real game changers. Does Steph Curry change the game in terms of kids shooting half-court shots every time down if he's only doing it in February and not in June, right? Mm-hmm. So we can have the – does Michael Jordan change the game if he's getting bounced in the first round every year, right? Like that. So there's a whole tent, a whole. but my point is even if you did change the game, Nikola Jokic has changed the game, right? Mm-hmm. For a for a big man who triple double automatic triple double every night, 
He's a seven-foot point guard, basically. You don't need to say it out loud about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. That was kind of my main thing. Even if it's true, and I don't think it is for him. I don't think he has changed the game. But even if it's true, let other people say it for you. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of goes on the pile of things about his zero self-awareness personality that kind of drive me crazy. So I'm trying to balance, Kyle. How much more do people who listen to this show need to hear another Phil Mackey rant about Carl Anthony Towns <laughs> narcissism or whatever it is? And so I don't know. It's like, dude, even if like does Dirk Nowitzki go on podcasts and talk about how he changed the game for seven foot? I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone can find a quote, but like just do it in May or June and then maybe, maybe say it out loud. So I have a lot of thoughts and you've, Neither of us, I don't think when it comes to like, if this was politics, I don't think we're either like left or right on Carl. I think you lean them a little more towards, um, I've had enough. And I lean What's little... left? Is left trade him for a second round pick? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Okay. And I'm I, not quite I, that left on Carl. I lean but... a little more towards like, and maybe it's just because I talk to him every now and then like in the locker room or around when I'm around, but like just kind of knowing who he is. I'm with you on like why say it, right? Um, But to circle back, because I was looking at some notes. The idea that he changed the game. I think he entered the league in 2015. The year that he entered the league, Kevin Love had already made 584 three-pointers. So he wasn't the first big man to start shooting threes. Now, now could you, to defend Cat, could you split hairs? Because I actually did this last night too. Could you split hairs and say, at the time we thought Kevin Love was six foot ten because that's what he was listed at. But now it's come out that he's actually mm-hmm. six foot eight. Mm-hmm. That really yeah. a six foot eight player shooting threes is not the same as a seven foot player shooting threes. So I will defend Cat a little on that height you. difference. Wow, you're already pivoting. This whole I'm moving, pod is moving to the up. right. Look at this. I, I, on a more, and this is more of like a for a new segment I'm working on called Doctor Phil. But really, truly, all jokes aside, I think Carl's like 27, and I've just been kind of thinking about this because, like, I have, as anyone who knows me, been a late, uh, late to mature in life. Um, so he's 27. He doesn't have like any kids. He's not married or anything. You know, like I th- like John Morant has a kid. Like some of these other younger guys are 21, 22 have kids. Um, everyone that you talk to that like knows Carl, not just like Timberwolves people, but say he's like the nicest guy, like truly compassionate, great teammate behind the scenes. I just think, and we've said this before, he's just really weird. <laughs> and I don't think he's had a lot of reasons to like, I don't want to say grow up, but I just, he's a 27 year old kid. So Think about when I was a kid, like he gets on these podcasts with Paul George, which I actually thought that one was a pretty good pod, but he gets with Pat Bev, right? He looks up to Pat Bev. That that podcast is going all out of control. And I really think just like me on Twitter, he just says things to say things. Um, do I think he means it? I don't know. But if he does, that would be the thing that is pushing me a little more towards the left side of this political discussion, because you can't have that guy thinking that stuff a couple months after I know I'm tying this all together, but mm. when when you know Tim Conley says this is Ant's team, everything we do moving forward is about Ant. Some of the quotes you get from Carl is like the self-awareness that I preach on this pod and all realms of life. I can't be like, you got to have self-awareness. You got to have self-awareness and then be like, well, Carl's fine. I also think he's just trying to be like, you know, confident. But it just there's so many things that Carl says that just don't come out the right way. And I'm with you going back to your be- beginning question. Just don't say it. Right. Like, I think there's guys in this league that have a lot of confidence that don't say it. And I think if you have to come out and be like, say, hey, I'm strong, you're probably not strong. If I have to say, hey, I'm rich, you're probably not rich. So I think sometimes you can just be that thing without having to say it. 
I do think Carl is one of the most unique athletes in the league. You know, like look at all the other number one picks right now or top drafted guys like the Zion situation, the Joss situation. Carl's worst thing he's done since he entered the league in 2015 is just been awkward. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no player. No, I mean, the success isn't there, Phil, right? There is no second round, third round in the playoffs. He's not demanding trades. He's not, you know, trying to get coaches fired. I think he's just really awkward. And that stuff comes out at the biggest moments. And yeah. then if Kat says it, the internet just cuts it up and grills him. And he's been grilled for 24 hours. And yeah. some of it's rightfully so. Yeah, Draymond Green posted a bunch of laughing emojis at one point. But then, of course, then it just turns into a food fight. Then then people jump in on Draymond and they're like, well, Cat's better than you right now, guy. What are you? Where are you? You guys got bounced early in the playoffs <laughs> sure? or whatever. You're punching teammates. And I saw Ryan Russillo tweet something like he woke up this morning still thinking about that cat quote from yesterday. But I mean, it's like if if you if you pulled the NBA right now and said, okay, players, fans, media, everyone, what's the what's the Carl Anthony Towns word bubble right now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you did the same thing for Jokic, for instance. And by the way, five years ago, one of those guys, I think, well, I think they five years ago they were both like on a pretty good trajectory because mm -hmm. Jokic had kind of emerged. But I think there was a time where Cat was definitely on a higher trajectory career-wise than Jokic because of being number one overall, et cetera. But if you did the word bubble now with Jokic and Carlin Towns, the things that Cat is saying about himself that people are gonna say, I changed the game. I think those are the words that would be in the Jokic word bubble. The words that would be in the cat word bubble, unfortunately, are words like soft whiny this isn't one word but comes up short in big playoff games right like pouts and whines maybe even unserious when you compare him to some of the other big time you know the the best players in the nba that play deep into the month of may and early june like the so there's the when we talk about self-awareness there's the what he wants people to say about his game which i think is what came out on that podcast but then there's what people actually say about his game right now. And I don't know if he's not aware of that gap or if he's hyper aware of that gap. And he says stuff like mm, he said mm -hmm. on the Pat Bev podcast to sort of make up because there was another one, too. There's another snippet going around where he he's talking about the first of the back to back playoff runs uh, with Pat Bev. Yep. how those guys had to kind of cobble it together. It was Chris Finch's first year, right? First full year as mm -hmm. coach. And they got off First to kind of a, year. yep, yep, yep. For, uh, got off to a weird start, and they had four months to kind of get their bleep together and and make a run to the playoffs. And and he was saying, I mean, Denver had four years of gelling, so like what we he basically said, what we did is more impressive than than when Denver did, like stuff like that, where he's trying to validate and justify maybe shortcomings rather than just maybe owning them or looking in the mirror. So there's a whole like psychological experiment to be done on some of the things that are being said so and, you know go back to the word thing like there are words right now that are just like comes up short uh soft some of those words that are pretty uh, you know aggressive in terms of like no one wants to be called soft uh and then that's this is where i go back and forth and i'm in the middle it's like it's not one of the phrases isn't coach killer right or you know bad team so there's like these things that mm -hmm. you get thrown around another a lot of guys in the nba but if you can this to me just all comes back to winning if you win, I mean, even James Harden, right? Like he's never really had that signature playoff moment, but by winning an MVP and just putting up the stats he has, like he's kind of just been able to push off some of those tags because he does, you know, have big games and, you know, a playoff round or something. Carl's just never had that. So I think winning would allow Carl to kind of 
get the last. I mean, truly winning and losing is what you get the last laugh in all of professional sports. Yeah. Um, I also think too, as we talked about every week for the last three months, like this culture thing, nuggets, culture, heat culture to me, this just all comes back to every one of these guys. And I know this for a fact, every one of these guys has like a group around them. They're mostly friends that they grew up with, you know, maybe some agents, maybe some people in, in marketing or whatever. Carl has a group. Jaden has a group, all these guys. More of these athletes, listen to this soapbox. More of these athletes need guys like me or you in their circle. <laughs> just because I, I have friends like that. Yeah. Uh, I have Cat friends need, like Cat needs me in his circle. <laughs> like, for example, just a peek behind the curtain. Like, Dane Moore is one of those guys for me and vice versa. Like, if I just did something kind of out of control or out of line, like, my friends would just check me on it. They'd be like, like if I get a birdie golfing, I'm not going to be like, man, I'm really good at golf. Because they would be like, buddy, you just bogeyed the first four holes. Like, check yourself. I don't think Carl has a lot of that in his circle. And from a bigger organizational standpoint, this is why I go back to the number one thing that has to happen in December or March or whenever Glenn Taylor gives the skeleton key finally over to Mark Laurie. You got to bring Garnett back in because I thought, and maybe it was just because he was young and wet behind the ears. Carl was like the best polished version of himself from a media standpoint during that time when Garnett was here. And again, now he was young, but I don't think Carl's saying like, I'm a revolution. I'm changing the game. If Kevin Garnett's like in his ear more. And that's what I've always wanted. Kevin Garnett to be like this weird chief consultant officer for the wolves. It just helps talk to some of these guys and be like, dude, you can't say that stuff. Come on. Like you want, you got to win before you can start puffing out your chest. KG Um, is the head as the head of uh, wolves PR. Let's make it happen. Let's make (laughs) that happen. Can you Um, imagine just uh, time for two more questions for coach? Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and just and just fus all the way out of the out of the press room. So no, it was it was tough. The the podcast. If you listen to the whole thing, I think some of the quotes are a little less aggressive or a little less, I don't know, embarrassing. If you get some of the sentences that are after it, but in general, yeah, he said like what we did in the play in was better. Th- that you said that that's a thing you said, and that's going to get barbecued, especially in twenty twenty three on Twitter. The same with just your ability to say that I'm changing the game when you just watched a guy that you was in your category, right. Or of player a couple of years ago and has far exceeded what you've accomplished. So I know Carl's equally as big on what he's accomplishing outside of basketball. And that stuff is really good and what he's been through. But again, I just come back to like, I'm so into self-awareness, Phil. And if it, it applies to everyone, uh, it can't just be, you know, me or you like you got to have better self-awareness. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me, it's neither here nor there, but my wife and I have a, a running joke. She one time like was talking to a friend or something, and and uh, she said, sometimes I think I'm too self-aware. And the person said, <laughs> that's called being insecure, actually. Yeah. There's, like, yeah. there's, there's a fine line there somewhere. So um, I don't know. I, I guess my – well, maybe this is a good transition because you did happen to uh, reschedule this podcast on a Reckless Speculation Thursday <laughs> here on Score. Um, I was going to say my final thoughts on this are I'm really curious to see what pops up over the next month or so because we have the, the draft. Dude, the draft is in a week, yep. and that's going to be – could be fireworks. There's so many dominoes that need to fall before you get to any sort of Timberwolves-related thing. I think there's a – the Damian Lillard domino needs to either fall or stay officially, and then mm-hmm. there's probably a Bradley Beal domino now, and like the Miami Heat are this linchpin in the equation here, so – um, does the Domino's game get to Carl Anthony Towns? Do the Wolves run it back? 
all of this is going to become much more clear in the next two to three weeks. In fact, Mm -hmm. if you're, you know, maybe you're relatively new as a Timberwolves follower or fan because they haven't gone to the playoffs very often and you might check out when the season's over. This is a great month, maybe five weeks to check back in. 100%. Because this is like the most fun off-season speculation period once the season ends leading up to the draft, the week between the draft and free agency, and then there's like a two-week period after July 1st. So we'll have you covered here on Flagrant oh, Howls. Yeah. I do have a list of some updated, workshopped Carl Anthony Towns trade ideas from the internet if you'd oh, like to oh, just I bet you these are play great. the yes or no game. Okay, Yeah, let's do it. So I feel like so some of these are from hoopshabit.com. And I almost feel like there's like a lifelong Timberwolves fan putting together these trades on hoopshabit.com because <laughs> some of these are just automatic yeses. But I'm just going to throw you some ideas here. Uh, there's been no actual credible reports about a Carl Anthony Towns trade. There's been there's been no shams or woj bombs or anything that say the Wolves are considering or this team is considering. It's all just theorizing about the luxury tax apron next year the salary cap conundrums, et cetera. Towns was asked about the rumors on the Pat Bev podcast, and he said, he said the Timberwolves, he basically said the rumors are as true or false as the Timberwolves, or he said Minnesota, I guess, wants to make them. So he's just kind of like, well, whatever. If they want to trade me, they can. Whatever. I'm not. I'm trying not to. He just be. He's just saying stuff to say stuff. I mean, that's that was actually the one I took most offense to. Because I do know, like, behind the scenes. I mean, could they move him at some point? Yes, we've we've talked about the CBA and all that stuff. But he doesn't want to leave. I mean, he kind of, he has a little bit of, like, that Damian Lillard thing with not only the loyalty, which, again, is probably why I cop for him more than others do, just because I grew up a Minnesota sports fan. There's not a lot yeah. of players that want to actually call this home. Um, but the organization likes him, too. I mean, he's in a good spot. He's got power. You know, like he's treated like a, he's treated probably better than he is on the court and i think he's really good but he's treated like dame is treated in portland but yeah just like that too like the rumors are as true or false as minnesota wants them to be like i don't know man between that and tim conley being so non you know yes or no when they were like are you gonna stay here just like someone in leadership or someone in that organization like just i'm not i don't want to get canceled just do your job (laughs) just do your bleeping job and like put an end to some of this stuff because it, it it doesn't help your cause or the culture you're trying to build when you constantly have all these stupid things. Even if you're saying them just to troll people, it does nothing for the organization. Sorry, yeah. Rand. No, I no, I, I definitely I hear you, and I don't think you're going to get us canceled with that take. So here's a couple of trade ideas for you here from the internet. We'll start with this one from NBAanalysis.net, one of my favorite reckless Ooh. speculation websites. The Toronto Raptors acquire a half decade of Carl Anthony Towns with that big contract about to kick in. Okay. The Timberwolves get two first round picks. So you get the number, is it 12 or 13 pick from them yep. this year? It's like a fringe yep. just inside the lottery. And then a 2026 first round pick a few years down the road. You get OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. So you, and those guys have, are Gary Trent Jr. I think has one year left in his deal, and he then might be a free agent. But I, the, just that idea in general, I think we can run with, even if there's some contracts stuff that we're not like. Yep. You're basically bringing in a couple more kind of wing players. Three point, yep. Yeah, 
to to cover some of that three point shooting, just more wing players to kind of surround around Ant. And you, I guess you kind of, you know, just be playing like a four, not a, not a traditional four out system, whatever, but you'd have Rudy and then you just have a bunch of guards and kind of six, five, six, eight guys around him. Um, I do really believe that at some point, if they pull the lever on trading Carl, that Toronto is like one of the three teams I'd be the most interested in because both of those teams have what the other could use the, the, the Raptors don't really have a big guy. They traded for Yaka Pertle at the, at the deadline, but they don't really have a long-term guy there. Uh, and maybe Carl down the road, when we figure this all out, is a is a change of scenery guy, right? So I like that idea for both teams. I love this idea. I, okay. I guess I love I love <laughs> getting a couple really interesting assets that are under the age of twenty-seven mm-hmm. and a couple draft picks. Like if if you can get that type of balance in value. Um, I'm, I'm here for it. I worry a little bit about the contract situations, but again, like you're going to have to shed contracts anyway. So, yep, yep. you know, at, at some point you're going to have to trade for a contract that expires or you're going to have to get, you're going to have to say goodbye to some chunk of money, I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm yeah. saying in the next like 15 months or so. So that one's something like that would be really interesting and you'd actually be net gaining three point percentage. Cause you'd be replacing cat with good three point shooters. Mm-hmm. And you'd also be replacing some of the Jordan McLaughlin, Jalen Noel minutes of guys who couldn't hit a three to save their lives last year with like Gary Trent Jr. minutes or whatever. Um, all right, let's try this one here from Hoops Habit, the aforementioned website. The Thunder get Carl Anthony Towns. So the, the logic here would be they have a ton of first round picks. They've got one of the best young guards in the NBA in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Would they want to add a Robin to his Batman and make a climb up the standings? So they would give up to get Carl Anthony Towns and pair him with Gilgis Alexander. Three first-round picks. Chet Holmgren, who is yet to play an NBA game. And Jalen Williams, the 6'6 shooting guard who showed a lot of potential last year. 12th overall pick last year. Thoughts on that one? I did kind of get down this rabbit hole and... Thunder fans hated that one. And it goes kind of back to like, what is Carl's value around the league? Uh, and it also goes back to you promoting the pod and being like, these next couple of weeks are going to be really exciting because every fan base right now, it is so weird, but you kind of just get pulses on Twitter. Every fan base right now thinks your player sucks and their assets are really good. Yeah. So I thought the Thunder were like, why would we ever trade Chet for Carlton Towns? And that's where I was like, all right, buddy. I don't know. Like, I really like Chet Holmgren, but I think Carl eats more than Chet weighs right now Dude, in life. So, Chet, Chet's, I think Chet's weight is a real question. He also was, it was a foot, he broke his foot, right? Yeah. So yep, he, in the pro am out in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Literally down the street from, from where <laughs> I used to live. Yeah. And you're talking about a, what, a 20 year old seven footer with foot problems? You know, that's, that's a red flag right there. So, but I still like this type of trade. Again, you'd be getting a couple really interesting young players plus three first round picks. You'd probably have to throw a salary filler in here too. This is where like I don't understand. Do Holmgren and Williams somehow add up to like I don't think seventy five eighty percent of Towns thirty six million dollars. I I I love people that produce content. If you go to the gym, no matter how hard you work, I respect that because showing up is the hardest thing. If you produce content, it's the hardest thing. I do not believe the author of this did a ton of research. No, I don't um, think because so there either. are some uh, salary deficiencies, <laughs> uh, and we might be trading guys that are actually free agents. Uh, but again, in general, it's it's that idea, Phil, of 
a team that has a bona fide star, and that's what Shea is, putting some of their possible star pieces on the table to bring in someone else who would be like that second banana. Kind of why I always thought that the Lillard and Carl combo made more sense than maybe Blazers fans do, just because I think that's a really dynamic duo. Do they have the pieces around them to make it work and take that leap? I don't know, but that, that was a that was a good idea. And also, too, when it comes to picks, OKC has plenty to offer. So another creative idea that might not actually make sense, but a good idea. Yeah. By the way, just officially on Gary Trent Jr., he is expected. Okay. I don't think it's happened yet, but he is expected to not exercise the player option. So, okay. You know, again, we're just we're just workshopping here. Yeah, we're just, we're just, we're just workshopping This is here. what they do uh, at Mayo, Cli- Mayo Clinic Square. They just kind of get everyone in the room, just kick it uh, around, a couple coffees, and Tim just says, "All right, give me your best trade idea." You know, or they hop on a Bennington pontoon from Power Lodge and Miller <laughs> Marine. You know, what do you say? You guys want to uh, hop on a Bennington, do some trade speculation out on a lake somewhere? Okay, you can uh, pick your power and head to the Power Lodge. Locations in Brainerd, Anamia, and Ramsey, and Miller Marine in St. Cloud, the largest Bennington dealer in the country, from what my sources tell me. And uh, get into a brand-new Bennington pontoon for $28,888 or finance it for $28, or I should say $288 a month. Whatever you need, they've got it with over 300 pontoons in stock. PowerLodge.com or MillerMarine.com. Uh, okay. Let's keep the speculation train going here. Open. One more. Speculation. And then we can shift to a different topic here. Because uh, sometimes people get mad that all, all Mackie wants to do is trade cat on these shows. Wow. The internet keeps producing fun ideas for trades, though. I don't I, I'm going to send, I'm going to give you my own after this. Because uh, I have a trade idea that doesn't involve Carl. And it's more just designed. Uh, Twitter. <laughs> just a quick, quick 50 seconds. Twitter sucks. Right now, just because I, I don't know what's real and not real, and I see all these things, and then these like aggregators pull these trade ideas that come from like some mom and pop podcast, just like you and I are running with the wolves. Correct. So yes. I have a I have a mom and pop sure. pod or a trade idea involving the Timberwolves and the Mavericks. I'd like to give you after this, but oh. you go first because you got a good Carl one. Okay, so this one is with the Rockets, and this one logically makes some sense. So the first domino would be James Harden hitting free agency, mm-hmm. wanting to go back to Houston mm-hmm. where he had a great chunk of his career. He enjoys living there, and there's a lot of rumblings that he wants to go back to Houston. But he's my guess is not going to go back to Houston and play with a bunch of 20-year-olds and a bunch of future first-round draft picks. So if Harden goes to Houston, are they going to look to leverage some of the assets to acquire another player like a Carl Anthony Towns? And now you got Harden, Towns, and whatever else is left on the roster. So the Rockets would get Cat, and the Wolves would get Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, and this year's fourth overall pick. I saw that one, and I really like Jabari Smith. This is nerd stuff. Uh, I just think he'd be a really interesting fit alongside a Jaden and a Rudy Gobert in that front court. I'm kind of on the fence, if not falling off it, on Jalen Green. I just don't know if that's a a winning player, super young, has so many years left in front of him, dynamic score, but yeah. I don't know where that fits. I mean, if this actually was a real thing, I would maybe try to loop in a third team to push Jalen out and bring something else in. Um, but there are some interesting pieces there. And I also think, again, like a Carl, I mean, I, I'm not even, I'm not trying to get rid of him right now. I just think that he would be a good fit alongside of James Harden, right? If you had some more kind of defensive wings around those guys, I think a, a pick and roll between him and Harden, a pick and roll between him and Dame would be 
pretty dynamic. You saw how good James was running it with, with Joel Embiid and Carl isn't the low post guy that Embiid is, but he can spread the floor more. So that was another interesting one. I just, the Jalen green thing. I don't, I don't know if that guy is like, and I don't know how many more young guys I want to bring in that are just throwing the ball at the basket all the time when it's like, Nope, this is Ant's team. Like give him the ball. See, that's where like a trade like this, you wouldn't be padding another young player with like the Portland idea. You'd be, you'd at least be getting Anthony Simons and like the number three and mm-hmm, not that mm-hmm. Simons is this like mature, you know, but he's been in the league for four years. He's not right. 19 years old. He's not 20 years old. So you, you're at least you'd be diversifying your, your age there. This Rockets trade, you'd literally be getting kids. And so you, the three things you'd be getting are two kids and a 19 year old who you draft fourth overall. Yep. That feels like a little aggressive going to the you know, matchup with Anthony Edwards age timeline idea. So, and I don't think that trade, no matter what we think, I know you've made many good points that Carl hasn't really shown to be a winning player, but I don't think Carl has necessarily shown to be a losing player. I think he might just be more of a net neutral. So far, I think in the Rockets haven't been trying to win games, but I don't know if those Rockets players are winning players. And this all ties back into like wanting Ant to never really take a step back in his career. And I think that deal specifically kind of takes a step back and puts you on a trajectory where it's like, well, we might just be a lottery team, and that's not what you're trying to do now. Yeah. So, anyways, those are just some of the latest ruminations from uh, I like Carl Anthony Towns' online trade workshop, which changes every day. Every Timberwolves trade I've seen has made the other teams really mad, uh, like their fan bases. <laughs> so, no, I just I I was just cooking something up because this is what my brain does at night. But also, uh, I know it'll. Reckless I just want to see like if some of these trade ideas that are getting aggregated are coming from people like me, but they're being yes. reported as if they are real. And I'm yeah. just losing then, my mind. And then, this is the beauty of it. What's happening is guys like you and me and whoever <laughs> are going onto websites like NBA analysis.net or, yep. or you can search any of the, like the, the, the canis hoopus of Toronto or whatever. Yep. Right. And it's just, it's fans and media just kind of haven't having a good time speculating some educated speculation. But then it winds up on Pat Beverly's podcast where he's asking Towns about the trade rumors. <laughs> yes, yes. And the that's trade my rumors point. are mostly coming from media and fans, yep. admittedly, because it's yep. a fun exercise. And it is rooted in logic because at some point they have to get rid of one of these salaries. So it's not out of complete thin air. But until like Woj or Shams comes out and says the Minnesota Timberwolves are open to trading Carl Anthony Towns, it's just fun speculation right now. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong. You know, again, I cut my teeth at Canis Hoopas. Like, I love that site. And that's where sometimes the fans have the most creative ideas. But yes. also the people that push back are like, I'm so tired of hearing about Carlton Town's trade rumors or all this stuff. It's like, <laughs> w- truly, what else is there to digest in late May, early June? Because I tell you right now, Nas, there's no Nas Reed contract stuff. There's no wow. Nikhil Alexander. Like, there's no updates on that. That's not going to happen until July. Like, do you want me to break down? I've heard Wendell Morris look good practice at Mayo Clinic Square these last couple of weeks, but like, can we do three weeks on Wendell Moore making jump shots in, you know, in the morning? No. So yeah, I, I just think it's all funny that like you and I can come up with stuff like the Dallas Mavericks receive Rudy Gobert and Torian Prince. Is this your deal? This is just what I came up with. This is the one. Okay. Yeah. But this, this is, this is, Reckless speculation. this is just like out of the Jake Graff's mentality of like, this is the type of stuff I'm actually seeing being reported after it gets aggregated in a couple thousand retweets. It's like the Mavericks receive 
Rudy Gobert, and Torian Prince. The Timberwolves receive Josh Green, Maxi Kleba, Dak Prescott, an actual Shark Tank, <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki's autograph, number 10 pick in 2023, and the 2025 first round pick. And then that'll like blow up, and all of a sudden it's like a news story. It's like I'm on Hoops Hype. <laughs> what was it? The, was it the Shark Tank or the Dak no, it was the Dirk, it was the Dirk autograph, I think, is what it was. But that, so the, this, these next couple of weeks are going to be messy, and like everyone's going to be thrown into trade rumors. I mean, luckily, the guy that has avoided most of this so far is like Ant. But I'm just telling you now, man, we are just the nature of this beast. We are probably 24 months or less away from just Ant being thrown into all this stuff. We're team like they bowed again in the first round. Other teams like we'll we'll give you this for Ant. We'll give you the Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, all the other white guys from Miami, and then like <laughs> one ticket to live for Ant. It's like yeah. Jesus, can we can we not? Uh, yeah, it is. It is kind of funny that yeah, Ant has been. It's very obvious that he's untouchable. So there's been I've seen zero ruminations yep. about yep. about him. Now in a couple of years, if you know, if the Wolves don't make it as far as they need to, there's all sorts of vultures that will circle and um and and try and land him, but. Hey, let me let me ask you this about because I'm I'm looking at Twitter right now and just seeing pictures of the Nuggets parade and you got oh, congratulations m- to the Nuggets by the way yeah they won the championship uh, since we last podcasted <laughs> and Malone Malone's wearing uh, put this in your pipe and smoke it it's a Larry O'Brien trophy T-shirt he's amazing does it make you feel better about Tim Connolly that he pretty much built that ish. In Denver, right? He built like 90% of it. Now they did, the the new front office did add a couple interesting sprinkles on top to put that team over the edge, like the championship edge. But do you feel better about Tim Connolly now that the Washington stuff has settled and the team that he architected for a decade actually won the championship? Probably going to repeat some of the things that I've said before, but this whole season started back in summer league when Dan and I were there and we met all the DNVR guys, that is the, the, they don't have like Denver nuggets. Don't have an athletic reporter. Their, their games aren't run on TV. Like DNVR kind of is the, the main, it's kind of like their score North out there that covers yep. uh, sports. And it's really cool. It's part of like the all cities media or whatever. Uh, and I got to meet those guys. That's when Tim came on and they were all raving about Tim and the culture. He said a week later, or actually maybe a week prior to meeting those guys, he makes the go bear trade. From what I know and what I believe at this point, I believe that that had just as much to do with ownership as it did with Tim, but that's neither here nor there. I also really don't want to talk about the Gobert trade every day for the rest of my life. I don't either. I, uh, I, I do, and this is going to sound kind of sappy, but I do. Like, I do. There were moves made by Kelvin Booth um, that put that team over the edge or kind of put it you know, over the finish line, and then just getting a guy like Jamal Murray back, Nicole Jokic just kind of becoming a super saiyan. But they they still really talk about how like Tim stayed loyal to Mike Malone when the easiest thing to do would have been just to let Mike Malone go. I know you and I have been critical of Finch at times and and this past season kind of being maybe his least successful as a coach. But I do wonder if just sometimes just as easy as it is in sports to just be like, I'm so tired of that. Let's get another one. I'm so tired of that. Let's get another one. That's not proving to be the way some of these teams figure it out (laughs) or you know you do need the consistency you do need to get through those bad times before you can find the really good times so i know it sounds like i'm apologetic and i'm not because i have a lot of complaints about how tim has handled some stuff but i do i do think that the way he built that team that aaron gordon trade which was 
I think maybe the most valuable thing he did other than like drafting Jokic in the second round was massive. Aaron Gordon was in that Wiggins thing where it's like, let's go get a guy that just isn't a fit on that team. And let's put him in our system. Uh, and then the culture behind the scenes of no one, no one caring when the paycheck hits their, uh, their, you know, their account or no one caring about their contract, just dudes yeah. who come to work and work hard. I think Tim's trying to instill a lot of that in Minnesota. I know that his name will forever be tied to that Gobert trade, but yeah, I, I watching how Denver rolled through the playoffs and how they did it as a team and who they did it with, like Malone and some of those assistants and some of those people in the front office, it made me think like, okay, man, like you might have fallen behind the eight ball, Tim, with their Gobert trade, but you salvaged the Russell situation. And now I trust, I think, that you'll salvage whatever the next situation is because he has another major move coming. It yeah. could be in two weeks. It could be in 16 months, but he's going to have to make another deal because of the CBA. And I, I find myself trusting him more than I did two months ago. Yeah, I think I think where I'm at is it's maybe less about Connolly, although I I do feel better about Connolly and even listening to A-Rod, who I don't fully trust that he's always telling the truth. <laughs> but A-Rod did the media tour yep. with friend of the show, Craig Kilborn. He went on some other shows and just raved about Tim Connolly. But even like beyond Tim Connolly, we're in a stretch now with five different NBA champions in the last five years. That's the second longest streak without a back-to-back in mm-hmm. the NBA's like last 50 years. Mm-hmm. And that list includes markets like the Denver Nuggets, the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I I just think it's encouraging if you're the Timberwolves and you've now gone to the playoffs back-to-back years. You've got Anthony Edwards. You've got other interesting pieces on your team. You're building some some blocks here that... In the past, even as they were building blocks, like, okay, got a Kevin Love and a Rubio and a Pack, and, okay, getting close to 500, or way back in the day, it always felt like, well, that's great, and your upside is second round of the playoffs because there's always a dynasty mm-hmm. in Los Angeles or in Miami or somewhere else or San Francisco, right? That's not the case right now, and, and maybe the new CBA is going to make it where there's even more parity, but... The fact that a team like Denver and then a team like Milwaukee, without putting together a super team of three super max players, it, you, you have to have at least one Hall of Fame caliber unicorn player. And maybe Anthony Edwards is that for the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. And you probably need a second guy like a Jamal Murray or a Chris Middleton or whoever that is. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's easy to build this roster, but you don't then need also a third Hall of Famer. Or like you, you need to put... Eight guys on a roster that have chemistry. Two of them are all-stars. One of them might be a Hall of Famer. And the Wolves have built a pretty good chunk of this. So I, I remain hopeful that the NBA, that unpredictable, uh, unpredictability in the NBA being back is a good thing for the Timberwolves, I guess, is my long-winded uh, nope. And I here. also think, too, that 12 months ago even, yes, 12 months ago, people just weren't talking about the Nuggets and their culture and Michael Porter Jr. or Aaron Gordon the same way they talk about them now. So yeah, as fans, and I am one of them, I just, we want all, we want it now. We want, you know, the ultimate just transaction. We want the success right now. And I get that, especially as a Wolves fan, when you haven't had like any success in the last three decades. Uh, but yeah, like the, the, the Jokic to Ant comparison, there's a lot that's not there yet, but Ant's, you know, seven years younger. Um, but I, you have that unicorn, right? You have that uh, as quick aside you someone if you haven't listened to the Rosillo podcast with cj mccollum a couple weeks ago cj mccollum had this beautiful analogy of like the league is full of stars but there's only a handful of planets 
and the stars revolve around the planets. It was really mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like I would say at this point, Conte Towns is a star. Mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards, to me, is a planet. I would Jokic say he could, he could be a planet. He could be a planet. Okay, that's fair. And I think the planet analogy also comes into like just the other stuff, right? Like, do players want to play with him? Do players want to change their game? And I think Aaron Gordon is a great example. Like, he is not the player that he was in Denver, was not the player he was in Orlando. But he's like, I'm around this planet. I'm just going to be now like this defensive stopper. I really shoot, like, you know, cut blocks, all that stuff. That's where I would hope Rudy Gobert is in like year two, right? If he is healthier, yeah. if he doesn't play in Euro stuff this summer, like does he realize, okay, Ant is the planet. I came in, I had the record, I had the three defensive players of the year. You know, like I've probably had more playoff success than these guys, but a year in like this is Ant's team. My boss, Tim Conley, said it himself. If if Rudy Gobert could be like, I'm just going to block shots and rebound and I never have to Hakeem post up again, that might be something that this team kind of benefits from. Same with the Carl. Like can you fall in line in a sense of, knowing who your planet is and then from there. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think the comps are there. There's obviously a lot left to be figured out. You know, Jane McDaniels isn't Jamal Murray, but the one thing the Wolves have going for them is their duo is the youngest duo, I think, in the league that has shown you something that you can build on. Yeah, it's going to be, man. And, and I just, I don't think you should make a panic trade at all here, but you should you should definitely have the long view of like, is there a move you can make? If you're gonna if you're gonna have to get rid of one of these guys, let's just call it who they are, Gobert or Towns in a year from now, anyways, would you rather do it now and just rip the band-aid off and, and mm-hmm. get on with your three to five year plan? But like we said, we're gonna find out a lot more about that over the next three to four to five weeks here. Uh we do get a run here on Flagger House. On the Nuggets, last thing, because this is probably the most time sensitive question. Uh do you think game five against the Heat was the biggest win of the season for them? For the Nuggets? Yeah. yeah. I think it was probably, probably, okay. probably was, pretty close. I wanted to probably bring that back. I, I, yeah. I was watching it. I was like, I got to text someone. Like, <laughs> you think it's the biggest win of the season for the Nuggets? The confetti's falling down? Do you still think they're Purdue? Uh, listen. I still think they're I a fake number one seed. That, uh, they're, a fake, they're still a fake number one seed. For all the <laughs> Denver is Purdue takes that I had that are out there, uh, we also said when we had Kilby on, we both were pretty adamant, right? Right out of the box. Uh, eight to one odds, Nuggets in five. I think the Nuggets won the championship in five games. So mm-hmm. whatever mistakes we've made in the past, we have, like Tim Connolly, we have cleaned up. We uh, we addressed that. We predicted Nuggets in five. And uh, I think we have a clean slate moving forward. Apologies to Kyle's question of the week. We ran out of time. <laughs> I do have one for next week, though. And it's it's about, <laughs> I'm just going to give you a little uh, teaser. It's about flying. So you have a week oh, to think about go. what could this be. But I have a really good topic about flying. Let's go. If you guys could click the subscribe button on the Score North YouTube channel and the like button on this video so we can spread the word about this awesome community of Timberwolves and Minnesota sports fans and a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts also helps spread the word about this Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. See you guys.